You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. When the road looks rough ahead and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed. You just remember what your old pal said. Boy, you've got a friend in me. Boy, you've got a friend in me. Welcome to Sup Media Reviews, the podcast that never needs spoiler alerts because it takes you back in time to relive the nostalgia of classic TV shows and films that you've probably already seen. I'm your host, Kiara, and each week I'll dive into the archives to bring you my take on movies and TV shows from at least 20 years ago. From cult classics to forgotten gems, I'll review them all and give my honest opinion on their impact and whether or not they still hold up today. Join me as we revisit the iconic characters, memorable moments, and timeless themes that made these shows and films so special. So take a break from adulting and get ready for a trip down memory lane with Sup Media Reviews. What's up, Home Slices? Thanks so much for tuning in to Sub Media Reviews. I'm Kiara, and I am stoked to review the trailblazing 1995 Pixar film Toy Story. The movie features Tom Hanks as Woody, Tim Allen as Buzz Lightyear, and Don Rickles as Mr. Potato Head. This movie was a huge staple in my childhood, and prior to watching it for this review, I hadn't seen it in its entirety in years, like maybe 15 years or more. So I was excited to watch it again with a fresh adult eye. So before we get into the review, let's talk about some fun facts from the movie. So Sid Phillips, who is like the villain in the movie, is said to be inspired by a Pixar employee or a former Pixar employee of the same last name who was known to disassemble toys and use the parts to build bizarre creations. Now, first off, I didn't realize Sid had a last name. Uh, (laughs) So his name is Sid Phillips. Also, this former Pixar employee, did they part on bad terms? And they were like, oh, he, you know used to steal the paper clips or he used to steal people's lunches. So we're going to create a villain from, (laughs) we're going to make a villain of him in one of our most famous Pixar movies. I think that that's hilarious if that's what happened, but maybe they just thought it was like a cool idea to have a weird boy who disassembled toys. I don't know. But how would you feel if you work somewhere and then they created a character modeled after you? That's hilarious. I don't know. That's very funny to me. So in the second fun fact, this was the first animated film in Oscar history to be nominated for a Best Screenplay Academy Award Adapted or Original. And in the final fun fact, early scripts for Toy Story featured a Barbie doll in a prominent role as Woody's love interest. In the original ending sequence where Buzz and Woody chase the moving truck, it was scripted to have Barbie drive her Corvette off the truck and rescue Woody and Buzz from Sid's dog, a la Sarah Connor, played by Linda Hamilton in Terminator 2, Judgment Day 1991. 
Mattel, the company that owns the Barbie character, declined on the basis that they thought the film would be a failure and that they didn't want Barbie to have a defined personality, preferring to let children imagine Barbie's personality traits on their own. Thus, Barbie was dropped from the script and her character was reworked into that of Bo Peep who was Woody's love interest in this first movie. So when the film proved to be a huge success, Mattel did allow Barbie to appear in Toy Story 2, which came out in 1999. You guys, this is actually the second time that we've heard of someone turning down Toy Story and regretting it. If you all remember, one of the fun facts from my review of Monsters, Inc. was that Billy Crystal, who voiced Mike Wazowski, actually turned down the opportunity to do the voice of Buzz Lightyear and went on to regret it and was like, Toy Story was a hit. I'm so mad that I didn't, you know, voice him. So the next time y'all have something come up, let me know. And that ended up being Monsters, Inc. So eventually Billy Crystal got his, you know, Disney Pixar redemption or whatever. But this is a very like Toy Story. I don't know why people were like pooping on Toy Story thinking that it wasn't going to do anything. Billy Crystal didn't want to do it. The Mattel people was like, this movie's not going to be a success. We're not going to lend Barbie's name to it and have her look like a loser too. So, you know, Toy Story has like a real Mike Jones. Like before I came up in this game, nobody showed me love. They see me in the club and used to treat me like a scrub. You know, back then they didn't want me. Now I'm hot. They all own me. Oscar nominated Toy Story. <laughs> it looks like they faced a lot of rejection before they found success. So I'm happy that it was successful. And I'm also happy that the people over Pixar are not like petty because the whole point of the Mike Jones song is like back then they didn't want me. Now I'm hot. They all own me. But because you weren't on me in the first place, I'm not going to fool with you. But Disney Pixar is like, okay, y'all didn't see the vision the first time around, but we're going to let Barbie come on and hop on the train in Toy Story 2. We're going to let Billy Crystal get a chance to voice Mike Wazowski in a new, you know, hit Pixar movie or whatever. So at least they're not petty. At least these people got second opportunities. So that's good. So if you want to check out Toy Story, you can watch it on Disney Plus as of the recording of this episode. Now let's talk about my personal connection to the film. For me, I love an alternate universe. And exploring what toys do when people aren't around is actually like a really cool thing. Like even though this is not necessarily an alternate universe, like these toys actually exist in the human world, just seeing what happens in their lives when they come to life, when people aren't around, it's just like a really cool concept. So I really enjoy that. It's like when this movie came out in 1995, I was about four years old. So of course I was playing with toys around that time. So just having that be a concept was like really interesting to my four-year-old brain. And even now, like how cool is that? Like what happens when you're not around to see what, you know, your toys are doing? Also, this movie, like I said, came out an impressionable time for me. And I like that these toys went beyond the movie and they spilled into real life. Like a number of the toys that we see in the movie already existed prior to the movie coming out, like the edge of sketch or maybe Mr. Potato Head, which I believe is like actually like an old toy. Don't quote me on that. But then there are some 
toys that came out because of the movie or whatever. So like people had Buzz Lightyear toys and other things that like were very tangible. And so it's cool that as a child, if you had these toys, you were able to touch a part of the movie and that made it like pretty cool. Also, the animation for Pixar is fantastic. I don't know that there was animation like it at the time that this came out, but they did it really well and were able to make cartoon things look as realistic as possible without being like Uncanny Valley situation. And when I was watching this just a few days ago, I'm assuming that the animation was like remastered for like 2023 viewers. So I actually don't know if the graphics were that good back in 1995. So I can't speak to whether or not they hold up, but the graphics were very good. Animation was very good. And that sticks out in my mind as far as like my personal connection. I also like that this movie has like a good message it made me think about like how I treat my toys and like how not to be a bully. And then there's also a message about creating space for and being nice to like new people who come into town or new people who come into your life, whether that's in the classroom or whatever, like, you know, making space and being inclusive to the new folks. So I feel like the movie has like a lot of good messages about that. And finally, Randy freaking Newman, like who doesn't love Randy? The Newman has like a super unique voice. And here's one of the things like when when people do impressions of other people, there are certain people who get impressions done of them a lot. And I have never heard anyone do like an accurate Randy Newman impersonation. And he has such a unique voice. I feel like that would be like super cool. If you know of anyone who does any like neat or accurate Randy Newman impersonations, I would find that very funny. I won't even attempt it because like his voice is just so unique. And he went on to do some more songs for Monster Zinc and some other movies as well. He just has like a super unique voice and we always have a good time with Randy Newman. And he also sings the theme song for Monk, which is one of my favorite theme songs in the history of ever. I could be wrong now, but I don't think so. Cause it's a jungle out there. It's a jungle out there. See it like, it's just fun. And then he mostly writes these songs too. He's just creative and amazing and wonderful. So, you know, Randy Newman is of course a plus in this movie. So I'm super excited to share my perspective on this childhood film. So let's chat. All right, we are in the opening scene of this film and Andy is using his toys to act out a scene from an old Western where Woody is the hero. You can tell that Andy, whose full name is Andy Davis, really loves Woody and cowboys. He even has a hat like Woody. And in the background, we hear Randy Newman singing, you've got a friend in me. Andy and his little sister Molly live with their single mom and we find out that they're about to move soon. So Andy's birthday party has actually been pushed up up to today because she wants to have the party before he leaves his old neighborhood. So the toys are kind of caught off guard by this and they know that every birthday Andy gets new toys and they get like a new person in the community and all of the toys start to worry a little bit. So when Andy leaves his bedroom, the toys come to life when Woody says that the coast is clear and Woody 
realizes that because this birthday party is early and everyone's going to freak out, he has to call a meeting. So what is interesting is that these toys actually have like a little bit of a community and Woody, who, you know, is supposed to be like a cowboy sheriff is actually kind of like the leader of the toys. And I guess that's like his rightful place as one of Andy's favorite toys. So in the room, we see a ton of other toys that Andy has. There's a Mr. Potato Head, there's the Slinky Dog, there's Rex the dinosaur there's ham the piggy bank there's Bo Peep and her sheep and there's like a ton of other ones we see the little green army men we see the little binoculars guy there's an RC car there's also an etch-a-sketch and etc so we're looking around the room we're seeing all of the toys and they're coming together to get ready for this little town hall meeting <laughs> that Woody is putting together and so we also see that Woody has like a little romance going on with Bo Peep it's interesting that a childhood movie feels the need to have a romantic interest. I feel like this movie would have been fine without <laughs> Woody having a romantic interest. I don't know that their romance really added much to the movie. But yeah, that's romance does not need to be a part of every movie, you guys. Like, not everybody needs to be in a couple or a relationship to make a story good. Less that is the center of the story. And the center of the story is not their romance. So I don't see why it needed to be included, but whatever. So there's a microphone thing, toy that Woody uses, I'm sure it has a name and I'm, I'm drawing a blank on it, but it's the microphone. Woody uses the microphone from this toy to, <laughs> to hold this meeting and he's making announcements and he's saying like, okay, we're gonna be moving soon. Everybody needs to get a moving buddy so that nobody gets left behind. He's like, you know, last week we did a presentation on plastic corrosion awareness. <laughs> This town hall meeting is funny to me. This is probably the most adult joke that I saw that like when I was a child, I did not understand why this was supposed to be funny or like a town hall meeting situation. But as an adult, this was probably the joke that I thought was the funniest. Plastic erosion awareness. And then he tries to quickly glaze over the fact that Andy has a birthday party that has been moved up a week. And so people hear him and they start freaking out. They're like, okay, is he going to get a new favorite toy? Is he going to get a toy that's going to be better than me or that's going to replace me. Everybody seems really worried except for Woody. And he, as their leader, reassures them that everything's going to be okay. And, you know, even though the toys are insecure about being replaced, you can tell that Woody, like everyone really trusts Woody as their leader. So he makes a little speech and says like, it's not about how much playtime you get with Andy. It's important that we as toys be here when Andy needs us. So they see that people are bringing presents over for the birthday party and everyone starts freaking out because these presents are huge and who knows what could be inside. So in the next scene, Woody, who again is Andy's favorite toy and the leader of the toys, sends Sarge and his green army men to spy on the gift opening with a baby monitor. These army men are on point, y'all. They are like, they run a tight ship with their little military operations, okay? And one of the army men ends up getting injured. And that was hilarious to me. 
Andy's mom, they had to freeze because Andy's mom was coming and Andy's mom actually stepped on one of them. So when the mom leaves, they become animated again and they try to hop into this planter so that they could put the baby monitor in there and listen, you know, undetected. And the army man who got stepped on is all crunched up and he's telling Sarge, like, leave me. Like, leave me behind. Y'all finish the mission. And it's just so funny. They're like, oh, no toy left behind. That was so funny to me. I enjoyed that part. So the toys, again, a bunch of them are all listening in the room. There's Mr. Potato Head, Slinky Dog, the tiny, the Rex the Tyrannosaur, Ham the Piggy Bank, Bo Peep, who's a porcelain doll, and all the other toys are listening on the other end of the baby monitor. And they are relieved when Andy doesn't really receive any gifts that could replace them. He gets a lunchbox, some bed sheets, a board game. He actually gets Battleship, which is a board game that I never really understood. I never learned how to play Battleship. Forgive me for those of you who feel like Battleship is a big part of your childhood. But then Andy receives a last minute surprise gift from his mother. And it's actually a Buzz Lightyear action figure who believes he's actually a space ranger. So unfortunately, no one in Andy's room hears the info about Buzz Lightyear because Rex, who is this really like insecure T-Rex, <laughs> gets so anxious that he actually knocks down the baby monitor and knocks the batteries out of it. So to me, it was really funny to see them trying to put the batteries back inside the baby monitor and they get the monitor working just in time to hear that Andy is coming back to his room. So when Andy comes back to the room, all of the toys have to scatter and kind of get back in the place that they were and stop being animated to, of course, keep up the fantasy that they are inanimate objects. And Woody actually gets pushed off the bed to make room for Buzz Lightyear's spaceship. And immediately the toys are worried that Woody is already being replaced. And so enter Buzz Lightyear. He starts talking as if he's a space ranger, trying to get in touch with like the space station. Woody decides to introduce himself and says like, hey, you're in my spot. And Buzz immediately starts like impressing the other toys with his various features and modern technology and like the buttons where he says little catchphrases and his his wings and all that stuff. So the other toys are already starting to get like enamored by all of his features. So they ask Buzz where he's from and they're like, hey, like, where did you come from? And I thought it was funny because Rex was like, you know, I came from a company that was recently acquired by Mattel. <laughs> and I just thought that was hilarious that these toys are aware that they were made and where they came from. So Mr. Potato Head starts antagonizing Woody and he turns out to be like a little bit of like a sub plot villain a little bit. He antagonizes Woody a lot, and we'll see that in this movie. He comes across as a, a little bit of a hater. So he asks Woody, like, hey, Woody, why don't you have a laser like Buzz Lightyear? Or, you know, why don't you have wings? Or why do you only have a pull string and Buzz has multiple buttons or whatever? And so Woody starts getting jealous, and he's realizing that something is off with Buzz. And when he mentions that Buzz is a toy, Buzz is like, nah, I'm not a toy. I'm a space defender. Okay, I'm a space ranger. What are you talking about? 
And Woody is like, don't make me cuss you out in front of the preschool toys. <laughs> Woody, Woody is very antagonized, not just because Buzz is fancy and Woody is jealous of him, but also he is understanding that Buzz does not get that he's just a toy. Buzz really believes that he is actually Buzz Lightyear. And that is uh, particularly annoying to Woody. So Woody calls Buzz Mr. Lightbeer, which I thought was hilarious. And he basically asked him to prove that he could fly. So the whole to infinity and beyond thing happens. And he does something like some weird, crazy stuff where he like bounces off like the iconic Toy Story ball. And he is able to get himself up in the air and like he's somehow gets attached to like the mobile that's on the ceiling and it makes it appear as if he's flying and then he lands. So again, all of the other toys are enamored by this flying toy with these fancy features. And Woody is like, okay, you're not flying. That was falling with style. Okay. And quickly Buzz becomes Andy's new favorite toy and Woody is super jealous. Like the posters in the room go from Woody to Buzz posters. And all the drawings that Andy did went from being drawings of Woody to being drawings of, you know, Andy and Buzz Lightyear. And to, part of this does not make sense to me, particularly the posters, because they're moving soon. Why would you put up new posters in your house when you're moving in like a week? It doesn't make sense to me, but it illustrates the fact that Woody is being replaced by Buzz Lightyear when it comes to being Andy's favorite toy. So we see that Buzz is actually acclimating to being a part of Andy's toy collection. Not only is he Andy's new fave, he's helping the other toys and like, again, like becoming a part of their little toy community. We see Buzz teaching Rex how to roar like a boss. He's like helping one of the trolls comb their hair. He's leading them in like workout sessions. And we see now that Woody is actually hanging out in the toy box. Andy put him in the toy box while Buzz sleeps with Andy. And then we see that Andy actually wrote his name on the bottom of Buzz Lightyear's foot. So Woody is like becoming more and more increasingly jealous. And I get it. Woody is over it. And so at one point, Woody threatens Buzz and Buzz is like oblivious. Like it's one of those things where you can be so mad at somebody and they don't even recognize or realize that you are being mean to them or threatening to them and them being oblivious to those threats makes you even more mad <laughs> because you feel like, oh, they don't think that I'm literally like a threat or someone to worry about. So Woody is just becoming more and more enraged and like low-key unhinged, but we'll talk about that later. So Woody pushes Buzz and it presses a button that removes his helmet and Buzz thinks that he's suffocating. And that was hilarious because he hadn't removed his helmet. He's thinking he's still using an oxygen supply. And that since he's on a new planet, you know, he doesn't know if the air is like cool for breathing. But it was it was very funny to me to see Buzz think that he was suffocating. And he asked Woody, like, how dare you remove my helmet? And Woody starts to make fun of Buzz for thinking that he's the real Buzz Lightyear. And then this is where we learn about Sid. We hear this crazy laugh and a dog barking in like the neighboring house. 
And we find out that Sid is back from summer camp and he's in the backyard with a dog named Scud. So Scud appears to be an English bull terrier and he's very mean. And we see in the backyard with Sid and Scud the dog, a combat Carl is strapped to a firecracker. So Buzz wants to jump into action to save the toy. And Woody's like, you're tripping. Like, no, there's nothing we can do for him. Combat Carl ends up blowing up from the firecracker. And the toys are like really eager to move away from the treacherous Sid. And I'm like, these toys actually have had to endure some emotional damage from being next door <laughs> to a kid who destroys toys. So they're happy and excited to move away. I thought that was an interesting element. So two days before the move, Andy's family plans a dinner at Pizza Planet and Andy's only allowed to bring one toy. This was funny to me because I felt like this was something that I could identify with in my childhood. Like if we were able to bring toys to somewhere, we would limit it to how many. And thank goodness, because like I lost a lot of stuff as a kid, like things would just kind of go missing or whatever. So if I brought multiple toys, no way I was coming home with all of them. So Andy's mom is like, bring one toy. Okay. And Woody knows that because Buzz is like top of mind for Andy right now, the chances of Woody going with him are pretty slim. So Woody devises a plan and he tries to use the radio controlled RC car to knock Buzz behind the desk so that Andy won't be able to find him. But then in a crazy series of like final destination shenanigans, Buzz actually gets knocked out of the window instead. And so the other toys start to get worried because they think Woody deliberately knocked Buzz out of the window in a jealous rage. Part of this is because the RC car snitches on Woody and basically everyone is like, oh, if one of us becomes Woody's favorites, you're going to knock us out of the window too? Like they are ready to like burn Woody at the stake. Bo and Slinky. Bo Peep and Slinky the dog are actually the only two that are kind of sticking up for Woody and like, this must be a misunderstanding or whatever. But everybody else is like mob mentality, like we about to attack you. So the other toys get ready to attack Woody, but Andy arrives before they can exact their revenge. And then an Etch-a-Sket draws a noose to threaten Woody, which <laughs> I thought was funny, even though a noose is like a very poor symbol to use. They could have used something else. But the toys have basically all turned against him except for Bo and Slinky. And Andy ends up taking Woody because he can't find Buzz. So you can tell that he only took Woody kind of as an afterthought, but it sounds like Woody is just going to take what he can get. So a furious Buzz actually stows away in the car and manages to go with them by hitching a ride on the back of the car. And so when the car stops at a gas station, Buzz confronts Woody while they're on the way to Pizza Planet. So Woody is happy to see Buzz because he's like, how am I going to get back in the good graces of the toy community? Okay. Like, so when he sees Buzz, he's like, oh, I can convince the crew that I didn't knock him out of the window on purpose because he's still here. He's still alive. But Buzz wants revenge. So Buzz attacks him and the two of them fight and they fall out of the car and end up getting left behind at the gas station. And Woody is really upset. He's like, I'm a lost toy. 
Like, it's a big deal for him. He's like, I am a lost toy. Like, how the heck am I going to get back to Andy? Buzz is like, you're worrying about being a lost toy. You jeopardized intergalactic safety because I have important information that I need to get back to the space station about what Zorg or whatever his name is, is doing. Woody is like, you are a toy. (laughs) Why don't you understand that you're a toy? There is no Zorg. There's no, there's none of that. And Buzz Lightyear is like, you are a sad, strange little man. You have my pity. (laughs) Which I feel like is the worst thing you can tell to somebody who like actively hates you. If somebody ever called me like a sad, strange little woman and that I have their pity, I might hit them. So (laughs) they end up splitting up because they don't want to be around each other. But Woody sees a pizza planet truck and he starts to convince Buzz to come back with him. And Woody's idea is like I need to get back to the other toys and get them back in my good graces in addition to like getting back to being Andy's favorite toy and the only way he can do that is if he can get to where Andy is so he manages to convince Buzz to hop into the pizza planet truck because it has a rocket on top of it and they hop onto the truck and Buzz decides to sit in the front seat with a seat belt and Woody doesn't want to risk being seen so he hops into the back of the bed of the truck that's like a covered bed and yeah it's interesting that they have these two different perspectives like Buzz Lightyear knows what like a safety restraint is and does the smart thing by buckling himself in and Woody is in the back seat being abused by all of the things that are flying around (laughs) namely like a toolbox that smushes him up against the back of the truck now this is a particular scene where I want to point out the animation of the toy's eyes like I said I watched this on Disney plus and I assumed that there was some level of remastering of like all of the animation or whatever but the eyes that are on these toys are crazy af i don't know what's going on with their eyes like their expressions are like weird as hell like it's hard to describe first off i understand that it's difficult to create emotion on a cartoon character basically a drawing's face like i understand that that can be difficult to make toys that are supposed to be plastic expressive so I'm not saying anything about that, but their eyes move in these crazy ways. It's freaky and it does. I have no idea what's going on. You have to look at it to know what I'm talking about, but it's nuts. Okay. So like I said, the two of them hitched the ride on a Pizza Planet delivery truck. And let me tell y'all something. Woody is so smart. First off, Woody can read. I don't know how these toys know how to read. How do these toys know how to read? Anyways, we'll see multiple times throughout this movie that Woody is very smart, okay? He has a pretty good grasp on reality, except for his jealousy. His jealousy and insecurities, like, bring him down a few points. But he was able to figure out that the truck was there and it was a a segue for them to get to Pizza Planet so they could reunite with Andy, He does a lot of smart stuff in this movie. Woody, I'll give him points on that, okay? He's a very smart toy. So they end up arriving at Pizza Planet. They sneak into the restaurant using these empty food containers. And Buzz is just in love with this space-themed, like, arcade, basically, is what it is. So Woody spots Andy. 
and is trying to figure out a way to hop into Molly's stroller so that they can like reunite with Andy. But Buzz ends up finding a spaceship claw machine. And because he goes to the spaceship, because Buzz like leaves him and goes to the spaceship, Woody actually misses his opportunity to hop into Molly's stroller. So Woody has to go behind Buzz and like try to get him to like stay focused on the fact that we need to get back home. So Buzz mistakenly believes that this claw crane machine full of little green men is actually a true rocket and Woody has to climb in after him. So Andy's sadistic next door neighbor Sid spots and captures them inside of this claw machine. Now, first off, Sid's claw machine capabilities are way better than anybody, any adult. I have ever seen. The claw machines are a racket. I don't know that I've ever actually won anything from those claw machines. They are like very hard to operate, which is a part of the challenge. But when Sid gets there, Woody is trying to get Buzz out of there and hide because he knows the type of kid that Sid is. And Sid actually picks up one of the three-eyed green aliens first. And then he sees Buzz Lightyear in there and he uses the crane to pick up the Buzz Lightyear. Didn't even have to try multiple times. Let's make the story realistic. At least make Sid have to try a couple of times before he can get Buzz Lightyear. And so Buzz Lightyear ends up getting, you know, snatched up by the claw. And Woody's trying to pull him down because he's found an escape out of the backside of the little claw machine. But he ends up hanging on to Buzz Lightyear's leg and his lifeless inanimate body and Sid realizes that he actually just won two prizes so both of them want a free trip home with Sid and it's not good okay I also want to point out that the aliens are very strange and when Woody is trying to pull Buzz down to avoid Buzz being captured by Sid, the aliens are basically like, don't fight the claw, go along with it. And they actually push Woody up so that the claw can capture them and Woody calls them zealots. I thought that was funny. So I didn't pick up on this as a child, but the alien's reference for the claw is actually supposed to be cult-like. And I thought that that was funny that I didn't pick up on that the first time around and that they even gave up Woody and Buzz to the claw because of how much reference they have for it. Like it's meant to be, you should go with them. So Sid gets home and like I said, Sid has a green alien, then he has Buzz, and then he has Woody. So at Sid's house, they encounter his bull terrier, Scud, who immediately destroys the alien like a chew toy. And I think this is the first time that Buzz Lightyear is really understanding a little bit more of the severity of the situation. Woody, of course, is adequately frightened because he knows what's up. Like he's lived next door to Sid for, I guess, a while now and knows what Sid is all about. So Sid also has a younger sister named Hannah, who is not being a very nice big brother to his little sister and he steals her doll and he performs a weird operation on it while Woody and Buzz watch. And when he gives the doll back to Hannah, it has a new head. It's like a pterodactyl head. And of course she is frightened and upset. So he really is like a sadistic kid. And I'm wondering if the name Sid is supposed to be some form of sadistic. Like Sid, sadistic, it sounds a little bit like the same. So Woody is trying to find his way out when Sid's mutant toys 
these mutant toys come out of nowhere. They're made as these combinations of other toys that he has destroyed and put back together. So they start coming out of the woodworks and there's like a fishing rod that has doll legs. There's a baby head on this weird crab-like metal machine. There's a jack-in-a-box that has like a Frankenstein hand on it. It's a lot of freaky toys that have obviously been like put together out of order. And so Woody is freaked out and Buzz ends up calling them cannibals because they kind of surround the toys that just got destroyed by Sid, which is like Hannah's doll and the pterodactyl that he, you know, took apart and put back together. So the toys back at Andy's are still trying to rescue Buzz from below the two-story window where he fell. They didn't realize that Buzz had left that area already. So when Andy and his mom and his sister return from Pizza Planet, they hear that Woody is missing and they assume that Woody has ran away in shame. And Bo Peep is worried. And Bo Peep and Slink are really the only people who were in Woody's corner. So on the next day, Sid starts torturing Woody by using a magnifying glass to burn a dot into his forehead. I always thought that was a weird trick that came up way too often in cinema, like in kids movies a lot. I feel like I saw that. I've never been able to recreate it. And I don't think I've ever really owned a magnifying glass. So maybe that's why I haven't been able to recreate it. But if you've ever been able to do that, let me know in the comments. I've never really, that's a trick that I've never really been able to master. I wonder if it actually works. So, you know, Woody gets saved when Sid has to leave to get breakfast and Woody uses an old bowl of milk to stop the burning. So they try to escape from the open bedroom door, but then the misfit toys show up and Buzz tries to use his laser on them to like get them to back up. Like they're very afraid of these toys, but the laser of course doesn't work and Buzz just doesn't really understand why. So Woody is like, use that karate chop action <laughs> to get us out of here. And so Woody starts hitting a button that's on Buzz's back to karate chop their way out of the room and avoid being in contact with these other misfit toys. So Woody's trying to find an escape route and he runs into the dog. So Woody and Buzz are trying to hide until they can figure out how to get out of there without waking up the dog. And Woody's pull string makes his catchphrase go off and Scud wakes up. So they have to split up to hide and Buzz goes into a room to hide where he's shocked by a television commercial that reveals that he is actually a toy. So a sad Randy Newman song is playing in the background and Buzz is like, this can't be true. And he attempts to fly off of the top of the stairs, but then he breaks his arm off and falls into despair. <laughs> it's not funny, but his whole self-image is being destroyed knowing that he actually is a toy. And it's not so much that Woody was right about him. It was more so about like, I thought that I was here on a mission and that I had a purpose. And now I'm just like here for a child's enjoyment. Like... I don't deserve to be here. I'm depressed. <laughs> so Hannah ends up finding Buzz and Woody comes from hiding to find that Buzz is doing a tea party with Hannah and three more like headless toys that her brother has all destroyed. So Woody uses his voice to get Hannah to leave the room. And at that point, I was like, why didn't I remember that 
humans could hear the toys. Like even if toys come to life, that doesn't necessarily mean that humans would have the capability of listening to them, like being able to understand them. So of course, we know that later on in the movie that obviously does happen. But for whatever reason, I just couldn't remember that little detail. So we see Buzz is distraught. He's talking like he's drunk at this tea party and like nothing in the world matters because, you know, his self-image has been destroyed. And so Woody smacks him with his own arm to try to snap him out of it. And it doesn't work. But Buzz going through his little monologue or whatever does give Woody the idea to escape through an open window over the stairs at Sid's house. So Woody yells to the other toys across the way at Andy's house. And he does this incredible throw using Christmas lights. I don't even think a human could throw Christmas lights from one house to another. I don't know how this little toy managed to throw this rope from one house to another. This is ridiculous. Okay. So he gets in contact with the other toys by yelling across to the other house. And he asks them to hold the other end of the Christmas lights so he and Buzz can go across. But Mr. Potato Head isn't having it because he hasn't forgotten Woody's treachery. And so Woody tries to convince the crew that Buzz is there and alive and happy. But Buzz is in the throes of depression and really can only offer his severed arm. So Woody tries to use the severed arm to make it seem like Buzz is there and happy, but he ends up getting caught and looks like a psycho that's carrying around Buzz's arm and they can't trust him. So they drop the lights and now even Bo and Slinky the dog don't trust Woody. So now he has no allies over at Andy's house and Woody is about to fall down in despair as well because that was like a valid escape attempt and it didn't work. So this whole weird thing happens where one of the toys steals the arm from Woody and the other toys like descend on Buzz and he thinks they're going to eat him, but it turns out they fix him. And then he realizes, okay, these toys are actually cool. They're not these weird cannibal toys. And so... We also see that they fixed the toys from earlier too, the doll that Hannah had and the pterodactyl. So Sid comes back and all the toys hide except Buzz because Buzz has lost the will to live. And Sid gets a new rocket that comes in the mail. It's totally not appropriate. Everything about this rocket says don't give it to a child, let alone a sadistic child like Sid. The question is, what level of supervision and parenting is Sid going under? We don't know very much about his parents, but they are not there being diligent and making sure that this kid is not messing stuff up. Literally bought a freaking rocket. Like, are you kidding me? And all of the warnings on it say it's totally not appropriate for any child to have, let alone a crazy one like Sid. So Sid tapes Buzz to this rocket, but a thunderstorm forces him to delay the launch till the next morning. So Andy is sad over at his house because his two favorite toys are missing. And overnight, Woody, who kind of got trapped in a milk crate under a toolbox, helps Buzz to realize that his purpose is making Andy happy. No, you are not a space ranger that's saving the universe, blah, 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 blah. But you have a purpose with Andy and Andy loves you. So he gives like a big ego boost to Buzz, which helps to get him out of his depression. But then it makes Woody more depressed. So Woody starts to get into his own issue about being insecure next to a toy like Buzz. And now Woody is sad. But Buzz gets the pep talk he needs and he tries to free Woody. And that ends up going 
okay when he gets free, but he also gets hurt in the process when the toolbox falls on him. So it's the next day and the moving van arrives. So time is of the essence, okay? So Sid wakes up and takes Buzz out to launch him and Scud poses a problem when Woody tries to help. So Woody rallies the mutant toys to frighten Sid into never hurting the toys again. So Woody finally says to like these mutant toys, like Buzz really is the only friend I have. And at this point, that's pretty true because all the other toys over at Andy's house have kind of like abandoned him because of all the stuff he did to Buzz. Or all the stuff they believe he did to Buzz. So the weird doll that's like a metal crab with a doll head uses Morse code or some weird <laughs> communication tool to communicate with the other mutant toys. Like that, I guess they don't even have voice boxes anymore. And it's so weird. And so Woody and the mutants pull together a plan to distract Scud and to rescue Buzz. So they do all of these tricks or whatever, and they ring the doorbell to distract the dog and lure the dog outside so that they don't have to worry about him anymore. So the dog gets locked outside of the front door and they make their way to the backyard. The toys scatter all across the yard and Woody pops up. And when Sid sees Woody, he's like, oh, I'm going to barbecue you later. And he puts a little match inside of Woody's holster. So right when Sid is getting ready to light the rocket, Woody starts talking. And Sid is like, why is he talking without being prompted or whatever, or without his pull string going off? And so Woody starts saying things like, we don't like being blown up, Sid. And so the other toy starts coming from the yard and walking towards Sid with their like disfigured selves. And you see that they've been blown up and that they've been mistreated and that they've been operated on and the heads have been switched with the bodies and the toys start circling in on him and he's freaking out. And rightfully so, this is actually like a pretty freaky scene. <laughs> and so Woody, of course, is doing his little toy monologue or whatever. And he's like... Us toys see everything. So you can't, you know, mess up your toys anymore because we're always watching you. And then Woody's head spins around and then he actually animates and uses his mouth to say, so play nice. So Sid freaks out and he runs into the house and he's like screaming. And he's like, these toys are coming to life. And his sister Hannah is like, oh, are the toys coming to life? And she chases him with her doll. And I guess it's safe to say that Sid didn't do anything bad to his toys anymore. I don't know if that means he stopped playing with fire, but at least he's not destroying his toys anymore. So Buzz thanks Woody for saving him and the van is about to leave. And Woody and Buzz basically have to get out of there before they get left behind. So they thank the mutant toys and they are on their way out. And Buzz, who's still attached to the rocket, can't make his way up from under the fence. And Woody had the option of leaving Buzz behind, but he didn't want to. So he goes to save Buzz and they miss the moving van. So Woody and Buzz actually end up getting left behind by the family's van, but the moving van is actually going to drive behind the family van. So Woody and Buzz actually pursue the moving truck that's riding behind the family van, but Scud, who got left outside 
from their little plan actually sees them and gives chase. And so he's running behind them and he actually bites Woody's leg and Buzz ends up fighting off Scud and he like leaves the truck, like he falls off the truck to fight the dog. So Woody, who is freed, climbs onto the truck. He opens the back door to the moving truck and pushes out RC, the remote control car. And uses him to distract Scud and rescue Buzz from underneath a car. So the other toys think that Woody has gone on like a killing spree. And they think Woody like deliberately pushed RC out of the... (laughs) The toys think that Woody deliberately pushed RC out of the moving truck (laughs) to get rid of him. So they start fighting Woody. They're like, you're not going to come up here and like kill all of us. You like maniac or whatever. So all of this is happening during traffic and they end up losing Scud the dog because he gets trapped inside some of the traffic and isn't able to follow them anymore. So Woody ends up getting thrown out of the moving truck because again, they think he's a psycho and he gets scooped up by the remote control car and Buzz. So they're riding on the remote control car and they're pursuing the truck and they hit the turbo and the other toys spot them coming and realize that they got it all wrong. That like Buzz is not dead somewhere. He's here with Woody and Woody was using RC to go pick up Buzz and rescue him. So they realized that they were wrong or whatever. So now it's time to try to get them back onto the moving van and bring them back into the fold. So they lower the ramp. They try to use Slink the dog to get them up onto the moving truck, but RC's batteries end up running out. And I thought it was cute. So Pixar is really good about having Easter eggs from like other Pixar films or other like Disney stuff playing in the movie somewhere. And there's like a quick clip where they cut to inside the moving van because Molly, the baby, looks in the rearview mirror and sees the toys trying to rescue Buzz and Woody. And so in the background, you hear Hakuna Matata playing on the radio, which is really cute. But then you also realize that Molly in her car seat, who is an infant, is in the front seat, the front passenger seat. What is she doing in the front passenger seat? I know this is 1995. However, I don't think it was ever okay to put a baby in a car seat in the front seat in the 90s. Okay, get your stuff together, Pixar. Okay, (laughs) figure it out. (laughs) So anyways, because the batteries go out. Woody is basically forced to ignite the rocket that's still strapped to Buzz. And so he has the match that Sid gave him, but a car comes by and the flame gets blown out. And Woody, of course, is really upset. And so he sees that the light is shining through Buzz's helmet and it burns his hand. So he's like, oh, we can use this to ignite the rocket. Once again, Woody's very smart. Not only can he read and not only can he pull together plans to make sure that they get in the scoop on the toys that Andy is getting and make sure that all of the mutant toys get together and exact a plan on Sid so he never destroys toys again and he's hatching plans at Pizza Planet and all that stuff and he's able to find the escape hatch in the claw machine. Woody is the goat okay even though he did some messed up stuff he ends up making it right and he's super smart and that's why he's the leader of the other toys not just because he was one of Andy's favorite toys in the beginning but because he's smart okay Woody is so smart 
And he's my favorite, okay? I don't really care for Buzz Lightyear either. <laughs> so anyways, Woody uses the glare to ignite the rocket and they launch towards the truck and they become airborne. So Woody drops RC into the moving truck on top of Mr. Potato Head. And I guess this is Mr. Potato Head's comeuppance from being such a b-hole to... <laughs> For being such a behold to Woody. And Buzz opens his wings to sever the tape that has him strapped to the rocket right before the rocket blows up. So he and Woody glide over the truck. And this point where Woody is like, you're actually flying. And he's like, I ain't flying. I'm falling with style, which I thought was cute. So now they have a little inside joke. And so even Woody is like to infinity and beyond. So it's just really cute. You see how these two toys that were actually at odds are coming together for the greater good. And Buzz is like, we're not aiming for the moving truck. They go through the sunroof of the family van and they land in a box and they land safely besides Andy. And Andy is like, oh, I'm so glad to have my two favorite toys back. And so in the next scene, the final scene of the movie is Christmas time. They're in a new house. And I want to point out, I have no idea the circumstances around why Andy's mom is a single mother. No context. And I'm not going to in any way explore why she's a single mom of two young children, particularly Molly, who was actually an infant at this time. However, because Andy is well-adjusted, I'm not going <laughs> to assume that his father passed away recently. I'm not going to. I have no idea why she's a single mother. But this single mother has money. Somebody in this family got money because both of the houses, the original house and the new house, two-story large houses. I'm like, girl, go ahead. Sisters are doing it for themselves, okay? Because this single mom is providing a large house for her kids and she got money for toys at Christmas time too, okay? So this single mom is doing it, okay? So once again, because it's Christmas time and there's obviously new toys coming along, Sarge and his little green army men are spying on the gift opening again using the baby monitors while the other toys wait to hear what's happening. So... Another kind of adult joke is the code names between the army men and the rest of the toys are frankincense and myrrh. Hilarious. Okay. Very biblical joke. I don't know that a young child would get it, but I thought that that was funny. And Bo and Woody end up kissing under the mistletoe. Again, their romantic connection really didn't do much of anything for me in this movie. For me, it was like too much. And the only thing that it really did was explain why Bo in particular was only one of the ones that was on Woody's side when all of the mess went down. And because they were romantically involved, why she like still stood by his side. So Bo is at least like a ride or die type of chick. But again, they didn't have to have a love interest in this story. Mr. Potato Head is delighted to find out that Molly got a Mrs. Potato Head and Woody and Buzz like joke around and ponder like what other gift could Andy get that could be worse than Buzz and then they nervously smile at each other when they find out that Andy has a puppy so now toys dealing with puppies that's going to be really interesting at the end of the movie you've got a friend of me plays this version has Randy Newman and Lyle Lovett and I was like I do not remember you've got a friend of me being a duet at any point but apparently there is a duet version so that's cool 
So that's the end of the movie. At the end of every review, we asked if the movie holds up and if it's worth a rewatch. Yes, the movie holds up. If you watch it on Disney Plus and you look at the graphics and everything, it still looks amazing even by today's standards. So as far as the animation goes and even like the storyline, the movie pretty much holds up. And I think it could be worth a rewatch. The graphics, like I said, were really good, even with those crazy eyes. Those eyes were crazy, y'all. It freaked me out a little bit. I actually found that for the most part, this humor was very child-centered. There were a few jokes that would only be gotten by like adults, but it wasn't like a whole bunch of adult humor. And I felt like there weren't like a whole bunch of like Easter eggs for in adults to really enjoy. So I definitely thought that the movie was still cute and that all of the stories and like the lessons were very compelling and that it was still an adventure and I was actually really entertained. But I don't necessarily think that I would watch it again. Like I watched it enough as a kid to understand the gist of what happens in the movie. And even though I didn't find myself like busting out laughing or anything when I watched the movie, I did enjoy it overall. So I think that if you need a refresher, I would recommend rewatching it for you. But if you remember it will, I don't think there's necessarily a need to rewatch it. I say all this to say that I actually prefer Toy Story 2. I actually find it to be way better in my eyes. The first Toy Story is groundbreaking in a lot of ways, but the humor and the intensity are like way cranked up in Toy Story 2. Like it has a number of excellent villains. It introduces new toys and it expands on the history of Woody. So for me, Toy Story 1 is always going to be a part of my childhood and movie history. But I feel like its main purpose is to lay a good base for what goes on to be a fantastic franchise. So I think that that's like a really great way to say what I'm trying to say about this childhood fave. On Rotten Tomatoes, critics gave Toy Story 100% while regular folks gave it 92%. Now this surprises me, mostly because critics giving anything 100% on Rotten Tomatoes is astonishing, but I didn't expect for regular folks to rate it 8% lower than the critics did. I'm not mad at either of those ratings. I think that I'm leaning a little bit more towards the audience score now as an adult, but as a kid, this movie was like 100% for me too. So I guess it. So I'm not going to come down too hard on Rotten Tomatoes. Thanks so much for listening to my review of Toy Story here at Submedia Reviews. Next week, I'll be doing my first review of a drama. We're watching the 1991 hit Fried Green Tomatoes. Peace out. Thanks for listening to Sub Media Reviews. I hope you enjoyed our trip down memory lane just as much as I did. If you have any suggestions for movies or TV shows you'd like me to review next, or if you just want to share your thoughts on today's episode, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Pinterest at Sub Media Reviews and on SubMediaReviews.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps me improve the show and spread the word to new listeners. So until next time, peace out, home slices. Peace out.